Welcome to uh, Studio Radio 45. We are at the uh, Empire Tonight podcast. Back home again. Back home in the studio. Um, the New York Comedy Club is home too. Yeah, but this, I mean, for the podcast. Yeah, exactly. And I am joined by, uh, well, I am Emilio Savone, and I am joined by my co-host, E. Scott Lindner. It's a joy to be sitting next to you again. It's always a joy, Scott, sitting next to you. And we have um, some really, we always say special guests, but this especially, we have uh, two very special guests. We have uh, Taylor Ketchum. Yes, sir. Did I say that right? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Taylor, and uh, what, what is something you can tell our guest about yourself? Uh, I'm just- Our listeners, I should say. Well, I'm just a comedian uh, here in New York City. I'm a friend of uh, your other guest sitting next to me, who's my good buddy from Los Angeles before I moved- uh, here to New York, and um, that's pretty much the gist of my overall identity. I think. And you have a damn sexy voice. Yeah, people tell me. I don't know. I've I, I've never really. Um, I wanted to be in radio for a while, but I never really took advantage of uh, of this gift mm. that I was given. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Taylor. no, thanks for having me. And then we have the man here, Mister uh, Maddie Goldberg. That's right. Uh, who is you know the reason why <laughs> we are doing this podcast today. Uh, Matty Goldberg. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a little something about you first, Matt. Matty Goldberg was um, well. He's here in New York City because he just released a book called Brain Humor, which we're gonna get into, and he is gonna be doing a uh, book signing uh, party uh, and really show tomorrow night at the New York Comedy Club, um, which is where Matty really kind of got his start. He was an intern for Al Martin. Al Martin, as our listeners know, is a, a comedy club owner who owns three comedy clubs here in New York City. And uh, and Matt is back home. This is a homecoming, really. Matt, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, it'll be. I I don't think I've stepped in the New York Comedy Club for maybe four years. So uh, I saw a picture of it online, and uh, it's gonna be like very nostalgic going back because I probably spent five years, three hundred fifty days there every day for five years. So it's it's like a home. So, so how could you, let's get into, um, well, first let's get into the book. Okay. Okay. What, what the book is called brain humor. Correct. And one, where did that name come from? Uh, well, I couldn't think of a name for a book. I had a brain tumor when I was 20. So I wrote a, a lot of it's about that. So it's like overcoming going through, you know, heavy, uh, he said, you know, say whatever you want. Say you can, you can curse. Uh, curse. Yeah. Up, no, say okay. fuck shit. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. Well, going through heavy shit. So I was like, I when I after I had my brain surgery, I had two brain surgeries to recover, and comedy was kind of like this beautiful like passion that I found that really made me serve a purpose to live. So it's kind of about going through brain surgery, the comedy, and just learning like the whole ropes. And then brain humor is is a pun. I'm not a big pun fan, but it, it worked out. You know, I couldn't think of other titles. I mean, I asked a lot of people, and Brain Humor was the best thing that came about. So, And what made you want to write a book? I always was, I, I wrote some essays about going through brain surgery, and I had this uh, girlfriend way back in the day, and I, she liked them a lot. So I felt that the girls like, you know, you write sensitive stuff. You know, it, it works. And uh, then uh, a friend of mine passed away. It was a great comic in L.A., and I wanted to tell his story because he was just in the business of like, you know, scoundrels and crazy mother effers. He was just this really shining light of like what the beauty of comedy is about. So I wanted to kind of tell his story and how he kind of made me realize like what the most important thing about comedy is, which is like 
just the ability to go up there and entertain people and it's it's a beautiful gift wow that's so, great and, and so taylor how did you guys meet exactly we had a, a lot of the same circle we uh, had the same circle of friends in los angeles and uh angelo this is the comic he's talking about was a good friend of mine uh amongst other people and we became buddies and then i we were friends for a little while and then i moved to new york and we never really got a chance to um to like bro down you know yeah i don't think we ever did a show in la and then when he moved here we met up a few times he had some pizza and uh and reminisced about you know we were both the guy angelo bowers was a a a great friend an amazing comic and like a really beautiful guy and we uh kind of you know we would sit at this pizza shop that maddie's like the fucking mayor of and we would just uh wrap out and chat and talk about reminisce you know and uh we became friends that way so so you guys kind of you guys did like the uh the, the reverse you yeah. went from la to new york yeah to yeah Maddie, new york to la now matt what made you what what made the jump to los angeles like what what was the deciding factor in do that because you you started out do so you got into comedy after you dealt with uh with cancer right sure. that yeah. kind of having cancer is kind of what brought you to comedy yeah and you got involved in uh, being an intern, as we yeah. discussed, for Al Martin. Yeah. Now, how did that whole th- whole thing happen? And then, how did it lead into you moving to Los Angeles? Okay, so this, uh, I, I had a friend that was doing the Bringer shows at New York Comedy Club, and uh, I would go. And then this is this is a story in a book with Lori uh, Lori Kilmartin. Mm-hmm. You know her? Yep, yep. So she was emceeing the Bringer shows, and she was in the hallway. They used to have like forty comics on the show. So go on from like nine to like two in the morning, you know, it's just like, so she was like, I'm looking for Brad something, you know? And I said as a joke, oh, I'm, I'm him. So she's like, you're up next. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. So then I was like, you know, I got to tell her the truth. So I'm like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm lying. And she was pissed. Cause you know, like it's not easy bringing up 40 people, you know, it's work. But in my head, I was like, well, what if I was up next? What would happen? So I asked my friend, and he's like, yeah, you know, and, like, I didn't know it was that easy to do a show. All you had to do was bring people. So I did a few of those, and I was, like, hooked. And then I ran into Chris Murphy, who was, like, a club regular there, and he's like, well, if you want to get real stage time, you should work there, you know, answer phones, seat people. It's going to be rough. And for, like, a few months, I was like, no way, I can't do that. And then I I wanted it that bad. I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. So then I... It was like once a week, and then it turned to like twice a week to like almost every day. So then I just kept working and working, and then you know they would I would get to go up late at the end of the show, and that was awesome because you're up on like professional. You're up like when I was there, it was like Dove Davidoff, Tony Rock, uh, Steve Marshall. I don't know yeah. if he's still around. So he's still he's, around, yeah. I mean, he crushes. I mean, he's great. And uh, and your book it said like uh, Attell Burr. Those guys, well, those guys were on the, yeah, those guys were on the weekends more. And that and then I would just watch them and like pick their brains, you know? Hmm. But uh just knowing like your jokes are funny on the bringer shows, and then when you do shows against those guys, your jokes aren't that funny. You know, like the same jokes aren't that good anymore. So I was like, how do I get there? And that was like a really good like way to learn as opposed to like, you know, being in open mics with like 60 awful you know, angry comics that were like, don't want to listen to you. It was better to be like in front of a real audience. And, and, and what was there a particular comic uh, that really kind of took you under his or her wing and really kind of looked after you? Was there anyone in no, particular? No, <laughs> I think the opposite, to be honest, it was like guys 
I mean, I think at the times of change, you know, the kids have it easier nowadays. Uh, I think there was like a lot of like, they were going to break you down to see like how much you could take, how much shit you could take. And then if you keep coming back, then they respect you. So it was more of about like, let's see how much we could put this kid through, you know, like, you know, rib him, give him a hard time. It's almost like hazing. It's like joining a fraternity. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's like that at the comedy store in LA. It's like really nasty there. I mean, there's the, the I, I know, Taylor, you can, if you remember seeing the, the poor kids that got to park the cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just so wrong. There's like, less of that though in the scene now. I think just in yeah. comedy in general, less ball busting and stuff like that. I think it's. Uh, Why do you think that is? I don't know. I don't know if it's maybe people are too sensitive or there's there's other there's, options. One thing's we talk- like millennial crowd of people I mean, I that think, are just you yeah, know the whole like you know as the world gets more PC like the whole world of bullying kind of like is is a bigger issue. But like when I started, it was like it was fair game. I mean, there's stuff I didn't put in the book about like you know they would give you the worst introduction on purpose. Uh, if you were bombing really bad, they would tell the host not to come into the room to just like let you just die for like i mean there was some like really vicious stuff that was and it was just not me it was like you know and and it it was shitty because i was like you know i wanted to impress the guys and i i I did some shitty things i'm not proud of well what's the difference then um you know we talked about this on the phone yeah i remember a couple months ago about you know, we're, you're, you were talking about the differences of some of the younger comics versus the stuff you had to go through, and I'm sure Taylor had to go through as well. Um, you know, things like being an intern, right? Having yeah. to do all this stuff for stage time. Yeah. I don't know if there's, I don't, what, I mean, is that, was that a necessary evil yes. for you? Do you think that was very important? Because I do feel, I get a sense, and Scott, you should talk about, you could totally talk about this too. Um, you know, there are comics that there's an entitlement, I feel like, to yeah. some of the younger comics. Sure. That, that, uh, that, want to get their time without really maybe putting in all that hard work and effort that they need to do like the the, the expression bringer show look bringer shows i get it it's a at the root of it it sucks the concept of it blows you got to bring in x amount of people get stage time it has this kind of scammy feel to it right mm-hmm. but every big at the comic, same time every big comic we've had on this show has told us shows. you gotta do it. the bringer shows help you and then of you course. do the check well, spot people, and then get, you, people get mad because uh of there's there's like people that take bringers bringer show producers that take it to an uh really predatorial kind of nasty level but the, the truth of the matter is when you've been doing comedy for uh three months you don't deserve to be on stage so if there's like a little thing where you have to like hey you got to bring some people here we got to make some money we, we we have to have some reason to put you on because you suck at comedy so uh, you know, it's kind of, I don't know. I did, I did bring her shows early on and I never was, uh, I never was extremely like upset about it. I, I did them. And, uh, and then I figured out like, oh, well you can, you can, uh, you can hustle spots in this area. You get smarter and you get, yeah. you get more, uh, in, you get more into the scene mm-hmm. and then you get, you start to kind of know how to not like cut corners, but you know how to like be efficient with your time and go places where you're welcome. And, and then you don't really have to do, I mean, if you're five years in and you're doing bringer shows, then you're, you're in trouble. you need to you need to like step back and take a look at what your plan is. If you just want to fucking do a bringer show once a week, or if you want to actually be a real comic, you know what I mean? But I did a bringer show early on where you had to be, I had to bring 20 people to the Ontario improv. Oh, Uh, that was my first time ever on a real stage. And I didn't know that that was, uh, 
mean spirited and exploiting me and uh you know what i mean i didn't understand that but i was so happy and eager to be doing stand-up comedy that i was like okay well this is what i have to do early on fine and then i figured out that i didn't have to do that and there was another avenue i could go and then i started doing that and i i worked at i worked at a club in la for a little while i grew up in los angeles and i i started working at a a little uh, a club in uh, in the valley and i did that for a little while and then i started doing the the bar shows and the indie rooms and all that other stuff. And then I moved to New York city. And so how long have you been in New York for three years? Almost Okay, three years in May. What was the deciding factor for you to take that, make that jump from LA to New York? Well, when, when you want to be, uh, if you, when you grow up in Los Angeles and you decide that you want to be a stand-up comedian, you don't think like, uh, you know, I should move to Denver first, you know what <laughs> I mean? Which is really what ideally what it sh- should happen. You know what I mean? I don't think anybody should start doing stand-up comedy in Los Angeles. That's a mistake, but when you when you grow up when that when that's your hometown you don't look at it that way so i i was do i was doing comedy for a few years in la and i it was it was i it was it, i was moving along but i didn't feel like i was like progressing at the rate that i wanted to right. and all my favorite comics were people that had done like a heavy amounts of time in new york city and i wanted to get out of my hometown and like experience and really feel like i'm i'm totally immersed in 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 stand up and not and get rid of get away from some of the comforts of home and that that you know like I didn't want to just be able to like drive over to my mom's house to eat because I don't have my you know what I mean like I wanted to really kind of live it so I came to New York and it was the how's it been are you fulfilled or is yeah it- no I mean it's 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 I like I love it and then I hate it and I love it and I hate it New York is of you know it's a it's tough sometimes it's a tough place to survive in you know the 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 standard of living in Los Angeles is generally you don't have to try as hard to have a nice apartment and a nice place to live and the weather's better and all this other stuff. But I mean, as a, for, as a comedian, I like it a lot better than Los Angeles. I will end up back in Los Angeles. My friend, my, my roommate, Paul Hooper, who's a great comic, who's always, he's always, always, always on the road. he said, uh, he hates New York. He hates, he hates the city, hmm. but he said, uh, the one thing about New York is there's he's like there's more people I respect here than in any other city. Mm. So I, it's hard and it's difficult sometimes, but I feel just as a stand-up comic, you have to spend a little bit of time here, you know, at least a couple of years, uh, just to have that, you know, hardened edge. Yeah, uh, yeah, and also just you know you get to perform for people from all over the world yeah. consistently, you know, mm-hmm. and you know I, I came here and I thought that I had a certain amount of time, like a certain amount of, you know, I thought I was a strong feature and then I got here and I was like, Ooh, yeah. I gotta, I, 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 like, I so you'll, you'll like when you go back to LA, eventually you almost feel like you went to like some kind of hard knocks type of thing. Right. Yeah. Like, it's just like, it's just the gym, you know, it's just the, it's uh, you can do, you know, you can do a little, uh, a little Williamsburg room and then you can, um, then you can run up to times square and do basically a road gig. And then you can run up to Harlem and do a, a black room, yeah. you know, in, in one night you, in, in LA, that's, that's hard to do, no, you know, do yeah. Matt, Maddie, what made you do the, uh, decide to make the jump from New York to LA? Okay. So I've, li- I live here just pretty much my whole life. And I was like, you know what? Like my sister's out in LA and she's doing well. And, uh, I want I want to change the scenery. I just New York was it was it was a little taxing. It was a little tough on me, and uh, you know I was doing pretty well and stuff. But I just uh, I was like I just I, w- I want to change, you know. And uh, my father was really sick right before I left, so I was like, 
just let's start fresh somewhere. And uh, but like New York, it is the best comedy city by far. And like the bar is set so high here. So I remember I spent some time in Hartford because I was dating a girl out there. So I would I would spend like weeks at a time there. And uh, in Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah. So I would do like some of the local shows there, and like like City Steam. Uh, yeah, and then they had some bars that like. They have open mics. They're like shows because there's nothing to do there. Yeah. So maybe they get like 50 audience members. And uh, the comedy was, it wasn't that good because they have nobody to aspire to be. You know, so when you're like on a show like Jim Gaffigan or Bill Burr, you go, that's how fucking good I have to be. As opposed to like, you know, if the bar is set really low. So New York, New York will get you really strong because you see how. There's good role I'm, models here. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. you can do. You know, you can be, you can be a year in and doing a check spot somewhere, and then, and then a tell walks in. You know, you can mm-hmm. have that. That's pretty. Well, yeah, I mean, Louis C.K. last week has been was popping into like different bar shows. He was at yeah, Cabin. Sure. I think he went to like uh, uh, he went to Hot Soup. Yeah, yeah. he went to a bunch of different uh, different bar shows. You get that in L.A. too, but there's also like, it's kind of like uh, everyone has been on television nine million times. So and there's less place to perform yeah i mean we had matt we had uh oh my god why am i blanking uh brian uh brian uh, mcdaniel here okay yeah yeah uh, on your referral DMZ, yeah great great guy and he yeah, was saying guy. you know he was telling us how in la you know there's pretty much like seven comics that are performing at the main clubs all the time yeah, yeah. at the store and improv and laugh factory yeah. and it's hard to get into that rotation Oh, you got yeah. kind of have to go out maybe like an hour outside in Pasadena or some of those places, maybe like the Ice House or something. Like that's, Maddie, that's Maddie's place. Yeah, the Ice House is yeah, like the ice 20 minutes is, Yeah, away. the Ice House isn't bad. Okay. It's it's the nicest, easiest crowds. They're so good there. And people are like, oh, you know, the Ice House, you know, it's so easy. But like, hey. No, I, ice House is cool. I like nice crowds. What, what, what are you supposed to do, you know? And and tell, tell us about the... Uh, about the Dwayne Wade thing. What was that exactly? Oh, the okay. team, that was T-Mobile, right? No, that was uh, uh, not T-Mobile because he had he had so much stuff going on. He had a T-Mobile thing. I I was I, I got lucky enough that uh, this advertising agency, the the head of it, thought I was like really he liked my act, so he hired me with no experience in advertising. So we would come up with stuff, and it was for Converse. When Dwayne was like the last athlete for converse which is kind of sad because they were once magic johnson and larry bird in the 80s yep. and uh we would just come up with ideas so we had this idea that what if i was like this obnoxious billionaire that challenges him to a basketball game and uh it started out i just made some fake uh like voice messages to him like to play me like me harassing him and like then- did he did he know it was fake or did he oh, yeah yeah okay, this well, is part of it okay, okay well what happened was this is that I thought I was just going to make some funny videos where, like, you know, I bother him and we, we, like, eventually play the game, you know? And then I go to a meeting and I they don't they don't let me talk in these meetings. And they're like, all right, we're going to make you real. You're going to be real like Borat, you know? And we're going to fool everybody and we're going to get the real press to write that this crazy guy is attacking him. Because that's what advertisers, they always want this, like... Like, you saw that thing on the Super Bowl with the kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crap, but... Huh. So that, like, just... That was a lot of pressure. So we we filmed some like videos of me like practicing basketball in a mansion and stuff and then they had to pitch it to his people and like, you know, I was like I thought it was gonna be this huge break and I was like praying he was gonna go for it and he, he did 
and we filmed it and we filmed like a lot of cool stuff with him and i you played, played him? him yeah i did and uh i lost uh, <laughs> but uh i always i always there's a lot of things i regret about it because i it was it wasn't as unfortunately he left to nike like two months after it happened so they like killed everything oh so it never it really out. happened it never went no, it did it did come out okay. it was viral but it never like took the next step that it was supposed to take you got that profile photo though for life. Yeah, yeah you on the bill. You know. Was that was that an actual billboard? That was a billboard in Miami for a whole month. Wow! <laughs> and like what I tell Al is like, you know, I would never, you know, I I made a good little chunk of money there, and I was like, you know, if I didn't do all those things, you know, like if I didn't work my ass off, that you know, you're working for those types of uh, of opportunities later, and like, you know, comedy is not a lot of money. Advertising, you know, the you fucking they fly you everywhere you you get room service you know it was it was really it was very surreal as a comic because you're you're budgeting like ten dollars a day and now people are like oh you want to get a steak order order five steaks you know so you said you were telling al as in al martin yeah so what, what was it like what can you tell us about al in those early days well the funny thing about al is he tells people that i'm gonna turn on him <laughs> so that's like the joke like maddie's gonna turn on me and and be mad at me and i'm like no man i i i love what i did and i and i i thought it was great that because i you know i wasn't getting on stage you can't go to the comic strip a year in and get on a real show or stand up new york at the time those were like the clubs then or caroline's for that matter so i was on like real shows at at, at a year in getting my ass kicked but, you know, you can't, those days, you can't, like, you know, and and to do all that work, you know, it eventually leads up to, like, something pretty cool, so. And what's, um, what, what's, uh, I don't know, what, what's, what, what's one of the things you're most proud of in your book? Uh, well, I think, uh, writing about, okay, my friend who passed away, Angelo, who was this amazing guy, I think what I'm proud about is, there was a time, maybe a year before he passed, I was getting very bitter. Like, you know, you go like, you, you see like other people getting shit and you're like, fuck that motherfucker. You know, like that, fuck, fuck him, you know? So like your your mind is on people on Facebook posting like, oh, check me out on Conan. And you're like, you're putting guns to your head. You're so fucking mad. And, and he would uh, uh, remind me that like, Dude, you have like the best life. Like you, you tell jokes. You know, you go out, you tell jokes, you entertain people. You have a really nice family. You're alive. You're doing your thing, and you know, just like take a step back and like feel how blessed you are. And just learning that, uh, I think, is the most uh, the best perspective I've ever gotten. And and uh, you know, because you you a lot of comics forget why they're doing it. You know, it becomes. A, a, a high school competition where you're you're competing against everybody and it's like who's gonna get what and what's gonna get what and it's you forget about like well i'm i'm a i'm building like a craft and i'm building a persona on stage which is most important That's he had the he had the best attitude ever this guy it was and it was almost like you see, it, it, it almost seemed fake, or like it, it didn't seem fake, but it just, if you heard about somebody, if, if somebody explained this guy to you, you would, Angelo, think it's you fake. would think that like, ah, that's what they, that's what they say about people that die, you know? Yeah. But he really was like, if you, if you were ever feeling like, um, 
if he if he got off stage and you were like, dude, that was amazing. You were you were fucking incredible. He'd be like, nah, Taylor, you were the man today. You were the best guy. And it wasn't. It was totally genuine and real. And he was he's the only guy I've ever met in stand up comedy who. He didn't have Twitter. He didn't have Facebook. He didn't promote himself. He didn't do any of that stuff. He just wrote amazing jokes all the time. And he's the only guy I ever met in stand up that if he was to, if he was to get anything, um, nobody well, no. would, nobody would know. <laughs> when, but when they did find out, nobody would be pissed off about it. The whole scene just unanimously adored this guy, which is like yeah. I mean, I've never met a person like that ever. When, when did he pass? He passed uh, January third, uh, two thousand twelve. Unfortunately, he was hit by a drunk driver, and uh, it's just an awful story too. Because he just had he had a tumor by his chest near his heart, and he just had it removed. He survived the cancer scare, recovered, came back to do stand up comedy in L.A., and then got hit by it's like a, it was just a, the most awful, tragic. Yeah. You know, it was really fucked up. You know, and he was a really special, really amazing amazing guy well i mean yeah. you know till i don't know you well but i mean i know you maddie and i could sure. say you know people say the same about maddie um I've i mean never heard, a, i've never heard that <laughs> no but it is amazing man you know the, the way we kind of rekindled our, our Matt how did you guys of, know each other well we Matt, were an acting class <laughs> yeah we took an acting here in new york time. yeah about 14 was this it was this, it was this uh 2003 practicing 2003. for the role as the cat or whatever it is <laughs> my, my big appearance in snl with my shoe uh no matt what's yeah, the cat role the cat role that was uh that was, was it a cat? Yeah, I, I, I have you guys a, seen this? I, I, no, they have and not. The, seen and it. for the listeners, where can they find the just you know the there's cat? A, there is a, a a movie with Emilio wearing a cat costume. It's called Barnaby the Cat. Barnaby uh I the, very the, psychedelic. the DP on that, by the way, ended up winning an Oscar a couple years ago, which is uh pretty nice. funny. So That's I'll awesome. have you guys know. Anyway, you can't see it anywhere, it's hidden in my closet. But um It's not online? It's not online. I'm gonna <laughs> search for it. But basically, Matt and I took an acting class together. I, yeah, you're right, about 03. And then, yeah. you know, we we uh, you know we were in acting class. And Matt was just one of those guys you can't help but be gravitated towards. You know what I mean? Just uh, And then I remember you kind of were, you were, uh, you know, you're doing comedy even back then. And, sure, just and started. Honing your chops as an actor. But then we kind of, you know, you, know, you moved to LA. We, we kind of lost touch a little bit. I think we ran into each other a couple years ago. Yeah. But then we had, um, what happened was we had... Um, I saw your stuff on Facebook and yeah. I just saw like your Dwayne Wade stuff and I, I meant to reach out to you, but I was just like, you know, I didn't want to be like, Oh, looks like Matt's doing really well. Now I'm going to reach out to him. Yeah. But there was nothing for me to hit him up about. I was yeah, just gonna be yeah. like, Hey, what's up? I was just like, ah, you know, I'm, but then we had a couple, uh, we had Melissa Villasenor yeah, um, on our show. Yeah. She's great here in New York. Yeah. And she's awesome. And, um, and it was actually through Gina, Gina sure. Savage recommended her do her show and she was awesome. And we were just kind of shooting the shit by the bar at New York, and um, I asked her, you know, do you, you know, do you do you know a lot of New York comics out in L.A.? And she mentioned Maddie Goldberg, and I heard a couple comics that week brought your name up, and they had nothing but glowing things to say. Um, so I was like, you know, I got to reach out oh, to Matt. It's been a, it. it's been a while since I talked to him. I, I'm just I got to reach out to him, it's, and it's genuinely just to say, what's up? How are you? And then you're like, what's your number? We ended up calling each other and literally talked for like an hour and a half, I and it was insane. <laughs> he's the, the, getting, he's it, but, but then, but then I was go on my way to <laughs> I was on my way to Gotham, right yeah. to go to Comedy Juice. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, you're going to Comedy Juice? Mention uh, talk to Russ Gooten. Yeah, he's, he's one of my guy. best friends." So then I go there. I talk to Russ. Next thing you know, Russ and I are literally 
hanging out all night talking he's telling like, me old I do, I do resent that you say i'm like russ i love russ but i don't want to be like russ <laughs> you look like you guys could be like cousins though yeah, you you know? Know? cousins but not it's same not like the same you know you're not the same person but there's like a uh, there's a there's a a northeast america united states jewish I, thing i just didn't know how deep you i mean then then next year, you know chris murphy found yeah. out that we were doing the show and he reaches out and then out yeah. i mean i no, i had no idea your roots in the whole comedy scene, I always feel I'm loved or hated, though. But it was amazing. But then, but then, um, another comic that you have in the show tomorrow night, Adrian Iapellucci. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. She's well, I reached out. I was like, "Hey, I heard you're going to be a Maddie show." Yeah. And she's like, "Oh, she's like, I didn't realize you knew Maddie. You know, anyone who's what about Maddie Jess G fans? Jess Loria now. A girl. I got. <laughs> by the way, crazy. I, I have the best. I, I guess can I? T I have the best Mike Bichetti story of all time. About Jess Caloria. Well, Jess, let me just tell you, Jess is a very, like, one of my closest friends from college. Yeah. That I literally just found out, what, two months ago, that you guys work together in advertising. Yeah, this is the best story ever, but I will get in so much trouble. Yeah, just say it. Oh, fuck. Jess will love it, trust me. Well, she'll love it. It's nothing bad about her, but it's... Oh, man, should I say it? I don't, I don't fucking know. It's pretty much inevitable. I don't know what you're going to say. Point, you guys know Mike Bruschetti, right? Yeah. Is it awful? Is it's it... a little embarrassing to Mike. All right, then don't what? say it. Nah, I can't say it. But now, yeah, now, really? now, now he knows there's a story out there you won't oh, tell. There. But you know what? They made In the a next book. They made a documentary about Mike, and there was a story with uh, somebody told him about how he he let he let Mike sleep over, and he was like in the bathroom for like twelve hours or something like. I don't know. I can't. I'll tell it later. <laughs> but uh, Jessica's great. Yeah, she, she. I didn't know how to act. Well, I worked with her, and she was like professional. I didn't know how to act, so I would ask like all these awful questions, and she told me like that some guy in college. I hope it's not you. I don't think it's you. But well, I'll let you know. Probably, I'll be honest with it you. It could be. No, she said I had a friend who was like a, a guy friend, and one day he's just like kind of masturbating in front of you. That was not me. Yeah. That was definitely you. That definitely wasn't me. Jess will test. He it. asked me that this morning. Though, though Jess, I before she got to know know me, she probably yeah. thought I would have done that. But sure. then when she got to know me, she's like, oh, "Okay, you're not as bad as I." heard but anyway but the Did funny thing him? is she let the guy do she it <laughs> yeah. she goes, I, I she goes oh my god she goes just do what you gotta do it definitely was a buddy of mine though i have to tell that's you. like pretty what an understanding friend but you but you know? i would bring it up all the time when she was dealing with like serious people and she would get so mad at me she's <laughs> like you can't do that so what what um and now you're uh you're back in New York, man. What are you most looking forward to? Uh, Temporarily? Well, are you back no, to promote the book? Yeah. You're here for a week just so promoting? the book party, which is New York Comedy Club, tomorrow night, 9 p.m. And you put together quite the lineup? Taylor Ketchum is going to be on the show, who I, I really yeah. wanted you guys to see because he's very funny, and he's an L.A. guy, and he comes from like the whole Angelo circle, which I always like. Any guy you know from there, I always want to like help out, and when they come here... Uh, there's another guy who just moved here named Robbie Slowick, who's a who's a funny guy too. And like, it's it's so hard to move to a new city because like when you move, you're like, yeah, another fucking comic, just what we need. Especially you know? the L L A to New York is a weird one because there's not a lot of people that do that. Yeah. So it's not like you can like I came here by myself with no friends, with no connections, because everybody come goes from New York to there. LA. So it's like, uh, it's nice being able to help out. You know, Robbie's. Right. Just been here. He's been here like two weeks, you know. Yeah. So, have you been doing that? Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna give him a spot at the end. But like, yeah. So tomorrow, nine p.m. New York County Club. So I'm gonna do a set and then I'm gonna read a chapter and then hopefully people will buy books. And what time's the show? Nine o'clock. 
Oh, okay, cool, cool. Wait, uh, I, and, I'm sorry, Scott. I want to ask you one more thing. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about the uh, the Daniel Leitman connection? And oh, I yeah, think this, this is, is pretty cool. Yeah. And again, another ironic thing, Leitman, Daniel Leitman did a, an audition show for us. And then a couple days later, you're talking about him. And you're like, hey, thanks for having him on your show. I'm like, how do you know him? You know everybody. Well, this is what happened. There's a guy, he went. To, he's going to the same college I went to. He's kind of got the nevish look like me. And all of a sudden, all these people from New York are like, hey, we call this kid Maddie Jr. So I'm like, oh, God, I can only imagine what he looks like. And he reached out to me. He's like, hey, man, everybody says I'm kind of like you. And I, I, I was flattered by that. So we started talking. And uh, I was like, you know, you come do a show. And I, I want, I'm going to talk about him a little on my set. You know, not be joking about it. Just like, you know, like. You know, being from New York, you're a sports fan. Like, when they say you're the next Daryl Strawberry or the next Derek Jeter, that means something. But to be the next Matty Goldberg, you know, it's... Don't sell yourself short. That's an honor. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> they, say that about, they say that about me sometimes. And so you developed, like, a close, like, kind of like a connection with him, right? Yeah, because well, of that, you kind of took him well, under... Well, here's the thing, though. Like, he will put... He will post, like, on Facebook. He's young. He'll write, like... I did this show and I killed it. Oh God! And I go, bro, 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 bro. No, say it was a nice crowd. I had you fun. Know? I it was a good crowd. I fucking murdered. Why, why are you looking at me like that? Well, you yeah. saw him at the show once. He, you were, we were cracking up when he came. Yeah, he's, he's probably really he's, funny. He did a, a show. Uh, we had a very light crowd that one time. He was a one-liner uh, guy. Oh, like, kind of like a little the one that did the development show. Yeah, right? yeah, he's great. He's oh great. yeah, he was definitely. Uh, he's like interesting. a little one-liner yeah. guy. So what I'm, what his I, mom was at the show. His mom was at the show. Yeah. Exactly. She paid a cover. We made her pay. <laughs> I was like, As no, you should. don't have to pay. She was like, no, nah, I'm paying. I was like, yeah, yeah. Should, should, yeah. We were like, don't pay, don't pay. She's like, I'm paying. But here's the thing: like, I will if I see him put that, I'll do him like. Listen, don't say you killed. It looks bad. Just say it was a good crowd. You should take that advice, Emilio. Yeah. I should Four take that advice. A little, a little humility. Emilio's yeah, like, I'm humility. the we are the best ever. Love me. But but <laughs> uh, I'm like, and then yeah. he asked me, he goes, How do I work up the New York Comedy Club? And I'm like, do you know, try to be an intern or something, or you know, do you know, it, that's probably the the best way. And you know, I think when he gets out We of are college, looking uh Empire's looking for interns, by the way. Just yeah. throw it out there to listeners. If you're if you want to uh, do all the menial, horrible work for us, you want to be the next Matty G. So I'll be, I'll be his mentor. You know, I have no problem. Like I feel weird saying I'm a mentor because I never, you know, I don't even know what I've accomplished. But I think, like for a guy like him, it's good to have somebody. Like there's gonna be days he's gonna go to a show and he's gonna be booked and they're gonna bump him and he's gonna leave like so pissed off, angry at the world. And I, I'll be happy to be like that's the way it goes. You know. It, it, it happened to me 20 times over, you know, just keep your head up. That's the game, you know, just stick with it. Don't get frustrated. It, it, it will. It, well, that's huge when you're, when you're, when you're new in comedy oh, yeah. and, you, and you meet your first real comedian who wants to be your friend, you know what I mean? That's a big deal. I was, you know? I was lucky with Chris Murphy because he would set me straight. So he would be like, he would be like, you think you're going to get plucked out of obscurity in two years. Not going to happen. You know? So like when you realize like you got to, you're not, nothing's going to happen for four or five years. When you realize that and you get it in your head, it's that it makes things that much easier. And they, he also started with David Tell. And he's, he? uh, Chris Murphy. I'm just kidding. He would say that for like months, they didn't even let David Tell on stage. He just had a mop. And he was like, he said he would mop with like a smile on his face. So every time I bitched and moaned, he's like, David telling the mop. 
and that would calm me down because I love. I think Dave is my favorite comic. Now you got you guys do comic uh, comedy full time. Yeah, I, yeah, I say so. Yeah, you have. You guys have other jobs. Well, I get more into the writing. You know, like I get through the advertising. I do some freelance writing stuff. I was, I spent like a few months writing apps, which is like writing apps. Yeah, like there's a new app, like uh, how like questions like if Super Bowl halftime, will you a blah 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 b blah 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 really silly dumb awful questions that like you know it beats like you know digging ditches but at the same time it's like you're using your your somewhat comedy brain i guess but yeah but you get to work from home and, sh- and and stuff like that so yeah. i get a lot of freelance writing jobs and hmm. i manage a recovery home for drug addicts part-time in the upper west side that's what taylor I has an interesting, really? yeah he has no an shit. interesting story he played college football like big time Where'd you play? Uh, not big time. Where'd big division, division. Ohio University in the MAC. Pretty big, man. Yeah, Wait, yeah. What, was you, cool. what year were you? Um, my se- uh, my senior year would have been 2002. So you played with uh, when Ben Roethlisberger was at Miami. Yeah, I played against him. I played against Byron Leftwich, wow. and a lot of like good quarterbacks were in, were oh, in the MAC that year. Big. That was yeah, it. Yeah. Back then, that that conference was like one of those really it was great. Like a, well, like, they're, they're they're doing they're doing great now. The MAC's really strong right now, but the. Yeah, I did that, and then I got addicted to drugs after that, and then I kind of. Were you doing? Was it painkillers? Like I, I read a great book, the Jason Peters story. On the oh, Jim really? I him and his brother. Yeah, yeah. And how basically, like he like broke his neck, and then yeah, he, and, yeah. and then he was taking painkillers, you know, yep. not recreationally, just to yeah, yeah. recover. And then well, then he you was start taking liking like them. ninety of them a day. Yeah, that's yeah. not really what happened to me, but yeah, um, yeah, I got really, I got really spun out on drugs, and then I uh, for for several years and and i was uh couldn't figure out how to get clean and then um i I finally went to this treatment center that was really kind of different and uh i met a comedian in there and i started doing stand-up while i was still in treatment and then uh this is in la yeah yeah and that's how i started doing stand-up comedy was i was uh i was still in rehab wow what a great story yeah and And so now you you manage a recovery house yeah i know i'm not like the boss or anything i do a part-time that my 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 two of my best friends from back home own a they own a bunch of them actually and they opened one up recently in new york and i'm doing that it's like the best stand-up comedy day job of all time so um yeah so i do that a few days a week and then i do my spots and then i do the road and you know just kind of i have my hand like i i have a little bit of money coming in in a few areas you know and that's kind of how i stay afloat you know oh. it's uh so uh it's, a, it's it's a drag sometimes but it's going good it's quite a story yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys both have interesting stories. Are you guys spiritual people? We, yeah, I kind of am. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, it's kind of interesting because my the editor that wrote my that uh, wrote the book with me, she did a story with him about his life, and it's oh it's, yeah yeah, it's very similar that you know our lives are you know I mean I I actually do have a small problem with painkillers. I'll tell you about that off the air, <laughs> but uh, but what happens is you have surgery and you know it's. You you take them and and you know your body needs them and it's it's rough. Well, they also happen to feel great. You know that's the it, difficult. That's the tricky part. I've had part. my day of yeah. drugs and yeah. and then it starts to be like, well, I mean, why? You know, the the pain starts to become secondary. It's like I'll take you these because they feel awesome, them. and oh, it also happens to manage my pain. And I too. physically. But that's not that's not how I got into the drugs yeah. at all. But that, I I've, I've seen it a million times. You know. Sure. It's, so you guys, so you are spiritual. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm not like a, I'm not. I don't think I'm like. A, 
Jesus freak? I, I no, I'm not like, me, yeah, I'm, spi- I'm a spiritual motherfucker, you know? I'm not like, like you know, yeah. I'm a spiritual warrior, you know? Oh, but yeah, no, I, I have a, you know, I have some beliefs, you know? I don't know. I don't know how to explain. I stopped arguing about, like, I don't want to, um, I don't have time or energy anymore to like, to like really um, debate about them. I just kind of, I, I kind of think something's out there. I don't know what it is. And I just, you know, I don't fight it. I don't argue with it anymore. I just, I used to have a really, I used to have really big, big hangups about, like I was used to be really anti anything with that word in it, you know. Mm-hmm. And now I'm kind of like, you know, I'm getting older. I, I have a past. I have things like, you know. And now I'm just like, nah, we to each his own, you know. Mm-hmm. Whatever your whatever your trip is, is fine with me. For me, uh, the brain surgery, the surgeon told me like, pray to God, like it's in God's hands. So I was very. Oh, that's a. I mean, yeah. that's kind of a bad thing to say to somebody when they're about to you're about to fucking poke their brain and shit. Yeah, I mean. I guess it worked. I think it helped, though. I, I, I'm not going to say there was a higher power. I think I'm very lucky. And I'm, I'm, you know, I think there's, it's more about modern science than anything. But just to have that idea of like, I did, I would pray to God every night, you know, right before my surgery. I had like two weeks to pray. And, you know, I, I mean, uh, it's just more of a comforting feeling as opposed to what, as far as whether there's something out there. Well, it could just be affirmations, you know yeah. what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't, it can do something to your subconscious without actually like, Absolutely. you know what I mean? Yeah. How, how different of a person are you, Maddie, if, if you didn't have to go, th- I mean, are you, do you feel like you would have been a totally different person if you had to go through I all might, that stuff? You know what? Like, you know, everybody says like it, it happened for the best reason. Not that I wanted to go through it because it was hell just like relearning how to walk and I was probably dizzy for like a year. Like I couldn't sleep. Uh, I, I had no motivation to do anything at the, t- the time. So, like, after going through and feeling healthy, you're like, well, you live once, you might as well try something crazy. And then, you know, you kind of appreciate your time on Earth. So, I think that, but, like, I wouldn't, you know, it, it was hell. It was, it was, it, it's so scary that, like, I wouldn't even want to know if it ever came back again or anything, you know. I can't even fathom what, you know, just going through all the surgeries and the MRIs and the recovery and all that. It was, it, it was, it was pretty rough, but... Again, like it, something like that makes you go, "Hey, man, I better try something interesting." You you, you said to- you said you got into comedy. Was that after? Yeah, it happened maybe two or three years after. Okay, did it have anything to do with it, or was it just that's a random? I think what was what was in my life. I was so depressed. I was really lonely and depressed, and I was like, you know, you're just kind of like living, you know, like you're just living to the next day, and you're kind of lonely, and then like. You try it. And I maybe Taylor felt the same way. It's like you do that first joke, and somehow like people are smiling and laughing. And you're like, "Fuck, I'm gonna do this the rest of my life." Like I know this is what I'm gonna do the rest of my life. And you're, it, it, you know, who knows? It could have been something else, but it was a beautiful uh, thing that like every day I had something to look forward to. The next day I was like, "Where am I gonna be up?" what's the show going to be like tomorrow so that it gave life such a different perspective is that an essential thing to have guys like taylor when you first did stand up was it the same way like your first joke or first stand like you caught the bug immediately and you're like i have to do this tomorrow i i, I wasn't like i'm gonna do this the rest of my life at all like what, what i met this comic in in the, the treatment center and he was like uh, i lied to him and told him that i had done a little bit of stand-up and <laughs> So on the way to, he's like, you want to do an open mic? And I was like, yeah, totally. Of course, man. Yeah, for sure. You know? And then on the way there, we, um, 
I was like, yeah, I I've never done this before. I don't know why I told you that. <laughs> I don't know why I said that I had. And we just started laughing about it. And I went up on stage and there was all these like, um, right up, right up. I had no jokes. I had no act. I had nothing really to talk about, um, yet. And there was like a bunch of guys that were like five guys that went before me were all like, yeah, man, like I like to smoke a lot of weed, you know, like that typical, that's like a pet. That's a kind of comedy that I fucking can't stand. Mm -hmm. And I just went up there and kind of made fun of them for not having real addictions. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't kill it, you know, or whatever, but I got a few, the first thing I said, got a really big laugh. And then, and then I kind of like was very lukewarm for the following four or five minutes, whatever. And, I knew what I was, and, and that that was cool. I wanted to have that experience again, and I knew that this was that stand-up comedy was really complicated and nuanced, and it, it, I knew that it wasn't going to be like that all the time. You know, I just I, ha I I I went on stage and I did okay, and I was like, I really want to do that again. And then I and then I kept doing it, and and I couldn't stay clean to save my life before. I started doing stand-up and like kind of like with Maddie, it did do something where it was like, I got to stay clean because I want to see how this goes. I want to mm. see if this is something that I can really be, you know, if I can really be a, a comedian, you know, and I just kept doing it. And uh, is the struggle that. that you've had to deal with, with treatment and everything, is that a, is that a part of your comedy? Are you open uh, about it in your comedy? Yes. Less so now. When I first started, I didn't have anything else to talk about. I, I Everyone that I knew was a, a drug addict in rehab or in jail or something. I didn't have any friends that were not in that world. And I was constantly obsessing on drugs and alcohol and treatment and all that shit. Now, you know, I'm, I'm removed from that for, for a while now. And I don't have to like my, my perspective is a little more is a, is broader. I have, you know, I have other things to talk about, but I have, you know, I have 10 minutes that I can, that I can do, you know, if I do like a, con a recovery convention or mm -hmm. something like that, uh, you know, I, I still have that stuff. I can still bring it out when, uh, do you think a book's in your future? Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to be funny and be original and get some stand-up comedy heat going. Yeah. Um, I'd love to, I'd love to write. I mean, I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to work in radio. I wanted to do, I had, I had, I was a big talker for many, many years and I never did shit. And, uh, and then I started doing stand-up and I was like, okay, well that's, that's what I can focus on. So, um, yeah, I'd love to do that. I'd love to write a book. I'd love to have a radio show. I'd love to do all kinds of stuff. You know, I just, uh, right now. I'm I'm trying to kind of put I don't know if this is a healthy way of looking at it, but I I'm just trying to put all my eggs in this basket and get as good at stand up comedy as 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 I'm capable of, you know, and then hopefully, you know, people will uh someday down the road people will even give a shit to buy a book that I write. You yeah, know? we had a guy in our podcast who we respect immensely, Mike Vecchione. He oh, he's amazing, says, one of my favorite comics. Mike says the same stuff. Yeah. You know, he's we were talking about, you know, just the whole industry, him and Mark DeMeo are on. He said something amazing I, I, one of my favorite quotes. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, you. please. Get, get, get. You go, I, we did the we did the Robert Kelly podcast together, and he um he was talking about people in the industry, and he goes uh he goes he goes every time somebody tells me like it's not it's not just about being funny, Mike. It's not just it's, it's a business, and it's not just about being funny. And he goes, "Oh, really? Well, then I guess I'll just get even funnier." Yeah. You know? And <laughs> I was like, like "Yeah, <laughs> that's 
That's awesome. That's you know? seriously what I was pretty much going to say. Really? Yeah, he yeah. He's just the man. talking about how I'm just going to get funnier and funnier and funnier. Yeah, he's one of my favorite they're comics. not going to be able yeah, to. They they're not going to. Yeah, I'll be undeniable. Matt, how I already think he is undeniable. We do too. You know, Scott yeah, and I have had. Yeah, he's great. He's yeah. unbelievable, and he's. Uh, he also scares the shit out of me. He scares the shit out of Scott. Uh, Mike is. Mike. Mike is. You know, he's he scares a, you too. But but guy. like in like a like in like a he's like like a, like a cousin. Like he reminds me of like a cousin of mine. You know, like you know. Yeah, he's also like you know he used to like teach like. You know, underprivileged inner city. Oh, like, he's a super nice guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's yeah. great. Yeah, how did Very the nice person. and Matt, how did the who did you did someone come to you about the book? Did you shop around the book? Was the book already written and you shopped? I mean, how did this? How did it exactly happen? And when did it happen? A year ago? Six months okay. ago? Eight months ago? So, I had some essays I wrote a long time ago about the brain surgery, and then when Angelo passed, I wanted to take a little break from comedy. I'm like, it's a good time to maybe write something about him and me and, and put it all together and like this kind of journey. Because I found it, I, I think it's a very interesting, you know, journey of just like moving your way up, how it goes. Like, and uh, I was lucky there was a girl I knew who knew this girl, Julie Sebo, who's like a becoming a very big comedy journalist and she's edited some comedy books. She knew the whole story about Angelo and she knew a little about me and she read the first draft and. She was like, if you if you if you work with me, it's it's not going to be easy. But if you work with me, we can really make this into a really good book. And I said yes, and we just like you know it was it was like a grind every day. We I was working like maybe eight ten hours a day on like the edits and stuff. And she was really tough, but got the best. That she definitely got. She's the great. Best she so this awesome. was something you really wanted. Then it wasn't just like, hey, I want you to write a book. You no, you I, went I wrote, after it. I wrote a first draft okay. that was probably like eight hundred pages long. Wow. So. Well, not that long, but 500. Okay. And then, you know, she shortened it to like, I would write about everything. I wrote about the pizza place I like. I wrote about everything. And she's like, well, let's just keep it towards like your comedy journey hmm. and then meeting Angelo and then like, you know, what you kind of learned and whatnot. So we just like, you know, it took us about a year to like edit it. And it was, you know, there was a lot of tough days, but like it was something I really felt, you know what it is? Um, the movie Funny People like really pissed me off. Really? Because it, it's like, here's a movie about our industry. If you're going to make a movie like, if you're a firefighter and you're going to make a movie about firefighters and it's not what it's like, you're going to be fucking pissed. So I wanted to make a book that was like, what it's like to be a real stand-up comedian. And I felt like that was like one of my goals. Like, this is how it is. This is how... You work up. I I never made it. I never had like a movie star go, hey man, you want to fucking <laughs> go on my private jet and do shows and 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 live in my you know I I you know I started so I wanted to like get people to know like how you know like the, the process is and everything and what you learn and whatnot and what so. Because Eddie Murphy probably watched Funny People and was like, yeah, it's exactly like that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> few know? people. There's like the, for every Eddie Murphy, there's yeah. there's three million guys like me. You know. Yeah. I mean, somebody said, which is kind of a backhanded column, he's like, the book is good because you're not that successful because it's 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 kind of like more of a real take. And I, I like that because, you know, it's it's kind of like the, the, the grit and the grind of like what it's like to do the road, what it's like to kind of work your way up, what it's like to get that first weekend spot, you know, what, you know, so... That's, I guess that's what I want to do. I mean, I think it'll be a good movie. <laughs> well, I know I speak on behalf of uh, of Scott 
and uh, also Al Martin, who's going to be there tomorrow night. Oh, cool. Really, everyone involved with New York Comedy Club and also Broadway and Grange Village. I think you're going to have a huge turnout tomorrow. Sweet. Um, we're pumped to see you perform tomorrow night, too. Yeah, I'm excited about it. We're Facebook buddies. I've, I've actually seen your name a bunch. That's why I was like, have you done any of the shows? No, I've, 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 been, I've, done, I've done New York New York a few times sporadically, you know? Yeah. And uh, I've just... Uh, yeah, I've just never had. A, I've just never ran into you for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we're we're there a lot during the day over the last couple months, but every you know we're there at night too, every now and then. But we will be there. Love what you do with the club, huh? The, the 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 room looks great. Yeah, yeah. that's Scott, man. You can yeah. say Scott is quite the uh, quite the fixer upper. Emilio, Emilio takes credit for everything see, we I, do. I, if you read the chapter, everybody thinks it's Emilio. You, like, if, you liked it when it was when it. it was shittier, right? No, I, I think it'll be great. I'll be really happy to see it nice because I was worried that it was going to go under. And to me, it's like a treasure of New York. I mean, there were shows like Al Martin will tell stories about Bill Hicks being there, and like he's like Bill Hicks one time was he he. Just went up there and was so mad, and he wouldn't take the money because he was like, "I I don't deserve it." So like, <laughs> there's a lot of history there, and it's like it is as like grungy and as it's like CBGBs. It's like you know, it's that kind of feel like real stand up. And there was that little room, and I've seen so many crazy shit go down there, and people use the floors, bathrooms, and. I feel like the New York Comedy Club is, it just gets, it's gotten forgotten. You know, it's, it's been forgotten for a very long time. I mean, you know, I, again, I can only speak for myself, but I remember when we first, when I first went yeah. there about a year ago, year, I didn't want to go there. Sure. Uh, Al Martin was like, hey, we, we were at Broadway for a little bit. He was like, why don't you guys go over to New York and do some stuff there? And we were, I was resistant. And when I walked into the place, I called Scott up and I said, dude, have you been in here lately? Like this place is pretty awesome. It just needs some fix. You know, it looks great, love. man. Um, and uh, the place is great. I love it. Every comic we've had has said it's such a great room to perform on when it's when it's got a good crowd. Yeah. It pops. Well, acoustics are amazing. Yeah. But and, yeah, we're oh. we're just getting going with the New York Comedy Club. It's taken a while to kind of turn it around a little bit. You know what I mean? So, but we're we're putting in as much work well, as as we can I, into it. When I was an intern, I can remember Saturday shows when you would have, when they would have like Patrice O'Neill, like Mark Marin. Uh, Todd Berry, like all on the same show. And like that's probably people paid like twenty-five bucks. I mean, that's like I mean, that's like a hundred, two hundred, you know, that's a I mean, those were some crazy shows, like how good everybody was and, and just sitting there like a little kid watching those guys in awe was a great way to like learn how to do comedy. Well, we're excited to have you tomorrow night, Maddie. I'm excited. I I it's it's really cool. I it, it's you know, thank you. It means a lot. Well, it's going to be tomorrow night. It's going to be at the New York Comedy Club. Taylor, yeah, if you want to pick up, uh, if you want to pick up a copy of the book, come to the show tomorrow night. Yeah, come I'm going to have some. It's a nine o'clock show. Uh, it's called Brain Humor. If if you can't make it, it's on Amazon or BarnesandNobles.com, or you can go MaddieGoldberg.com, and I will. There's a, a PayPal thing, and I will send you one out, and I'll autograph it. Anything you want me to say, I will. I will write. I don't give a shit. <laughs> and the show is at nine p.m. Yeah. Uh, if you, uh, if you, yeah, just get there. If you mentioned home, if you call and say home, you get discounted tickets. It's only nice. ten bucks uh, to come see the show. We are going to be doing a book signing afterwards and an after party right around the corner at Rose Hill Tavern on twenty fifth and third. We're going to have drink specials and discounts for uh, everyone that comes to the show. And that is it. Thank you, Emilio. Thanks for having us, guys. Thanks for being here, guys. Appreciate it. This has been the uh, Empire Tonight podcast. You can find us on iTunes. I mean, I guess you've already figured that out if you're listening to this. <laughs> We're at Studio Radio 45. We'll see you next week. <laughs>